Welcome along to episode 740 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we find out about 1448 as it returns to Wolverhampton at the Arena Theatre. Cultural Dramatic Society let us know about their production of A Bunch of Amateurs, which is on the way very soon. Backstreet Theatre, Have I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. We'll be hearing about that. Chris Commander let us know about the shows that he's part of, including one from Sutton Arts Theatre. We'll be having a natter with Kevin John Davies all about his book on the life of Douglas Adams. And Stafford Gatehouse let us know what they've got going on with their array of shows over the next few weeks. Plus, we'll be reminiscing about the noughties with Judge Jules. That's all on the way on the show this week. Welcome to the Milk Bar. 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 Coastal Dramatic Society are in action with a bunch of amateurs. We'll explain more exactly what that means in a short while's time. But first of all, let's tell you when they're on. It is the 20th through to the 23rd of September, and they're going to have a great time in Codsall Village Hall, uh, where we are now at one of their rehearsals. Hello, gang! Yay! They're as noisy as ever, which is the way we like it. OK, so uh, who's going to start telling us a bit about the show? Adam, you've just arrived, so... Uh, uh, what, 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 <laughs> let's, Excellent. Let's, let's throw you in at the deep end. Tell us a, a bit about a bunch of amateurs. So it follows a group of... Um, theatrical players in Stratford. Yeah. Uh, which Stratford is it? Stratford Again, yeah, St. I can John. Know. Stratford St. John. <laughs> yes. Um, who haven't had the best run of success um, in recent years. No one turns out to their most recent performance, so they decide to get some American talent um, in the form of Jefferson Steele. Okay, no, no, play, play Jefferson Steele then. There's a so full on American accent. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be doing an American accent on the night? I should be. <laughs> <laughs> I have to talk like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but it, may, it makes it a challenge. I mean, I remember when you guys went to Australia for... That was brilliant. <laughs> you, it's, it's, and, and everyone kept their accents the whole way through. So we're looking forward to the challenge that you have ahead of you when everyone else isn't talking American. Yes, um, can so, show you a bit. Yes, it can be a bit confusing. Okay, let's, let's meet another member of the cast. Who wants to volunteer next? I'll go next. Okay. I'm Dorothy, and I am the director of this difficult crew, and particularly the difficult Jefferson, who is a very, <laughs> a very um, obnoxious character, very arrogant, and thinks because he's had all this fame previously that we're all going to cow down to him. So this is going to be... It's, it's a fun play on it characters, is, isn't it? It is. And, and, and how do you work with the director of the show... <laughs> Hi, Sam. Uh, uh, for the fact that you get to be director in the show. Sam is lovely. I look up to her to direct me. So, uh, good answer. Yeah. Good Sam, what, Sam, what's it like directing a director? Fabulous. Yeah, that, that's all good. Um, and and what, what's your part in this? Lauren. Okay. Uh, right, I, I, my, I take the part of a sponsor. Um, along with my husband, who you never see, um, but <laughs> maybe I, imaginary. I, uh, <laughs> absolutely, I'm also a very I'm a trained physiotherapist, and that does come in quite useful when <laughs> poor old Jefferson injured his back. Um, however, um, as the play evolves, not only is Lauren uh, um, promoting and marketing uh, the the products, w which are, is all part of the sponsorship. Um, she gets embroiled in the play, and in fact, she gets a part in the play that they're doing, so she becomes one of the gang, so to speak. This begins to get really confusing, because we've got a director, director, <laughs> and a director, people taking parts in a play when they're in a play, 
<laughs> I think we should mention that the play is King Lear. Yeah. Oh, is, I've found a copy of King Lear over here. Yes. I've been looking around what's on stage. We've got a copy of King, Lear, King so Lear. Yes. That makes more sense now. Yeah. Uh, okay, so who's, who's next to tell us what's going on? Um, I'm Jackie, and Jack, I Jackie. play Mary. Jackie's sitting at the back. I um, oh, hello. So <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm I'm quite a sweet little soul, really. I've got it's a typecast. Quite, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and um, a, a bit dim, I would say. It's a typecast. Typecast, yeah, absolutely. But uh, she's got a bit of a side to her as well. But she happens to be deeply in love with a certain Mr. Jefferson Steele. Okay, so adoration uh, is yeah. going to be uh, the order of the day. Yeah. We're liking that. Okay, right. So we've got two more to do. Next. Hi, I'm Kira, um, and I play Jessica Steele, the daughter of Jefferson. Oh, and you get an accent as well. I get an she accent does. as well, yes. That <laughs> slightly goes southern as I'm trying not to. <laughs> <laughs> um, bearing in mind, I have been on holiday for 10 days, so this is my first rehearsal back with these guys and thoroughly trying to remember every line and every stage direction uh, as I can. But You've got I, two directors, you've got a director yeah. and a director <laughs> directing the part of the play. But yeah, I. Um, basically come over to England because my mum is on honeymoon and my dad constantly lets me down and I kind of show him up a little bit uh, but as the play goes on we kind of build that bond and there actually is a, an emotional connection and father-daughter wonderful little moment towards mm. the end of the Aww. play and I end up being in the play as well because of my history and knowing King Lear so well. Okay so this is going to be intriguing. Okay now couldn't even bother me taking his hat off. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got for us? Uh, I'm playing the antagonist. Uh, yep. uh, as always, not typecast at all. <laughs> um, I'm the person who believes she should be playing King Lear instead of the Hollywood star. Ah. So a bit of conflict. A bit of conflict. Uh, and probably trying to, to steal some lines. Steal some lines, trying to undermine him and trying to make as much trouble for him as he can. You're going to have fun, aren't you? I always do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be an amazing show. I mean, if you've not been to see Cultural Direct Society do their thing, it is well worth seeing them do their thing. They are amazing. They are not a bunch of amateurs, even though the show is. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be an absolutely brilliant time to be had by all. Now, we haven't had much from the director, but she has the phone number for tickets. Oh, so you've got to shout. Come on. I think we should make a stand at the front and do the phone number. Come on, down down here. Oh, right. What you got? Okay, so the phone number is 01902 Three, two, two. And it's almost a song. Which is, the show is not a musical, even though the phone number is. Uh, also, you can look for Cultural Dramatic Society on Facebook. And the website is... CultureDramaticSociety.co.uk so, yeah, If you can spell all of that, you're doing well. CultureDramaticSociety.co.uk And as we say, it's the 20th through to the 23rd. Uh, it is a... What, what day does it start? Wednesday. And then it finishes on... Saturday. And Saturday is the... 23rd. Which is a... Matt Matinee, we have to get 2.30, 2.30 matinee, 7.30 the rest of the week, and uh, well worth getting yourself down here. Well, break a leg, have a great time, uh, get to have fun with the accents, uh, try and catch your director out when directing by doing a different accent <laughs> to the one you're supposed to have, just for a bit of fun. And uh, it's going to be brilliant. Have, have a great time, and I look forward to seeing the show. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> From the 14th through to the 16th of September, Backstreet Theatre Company have I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change, all taking place at the Premier Suite in Cannock. With me to tell me more, I have Laura, Becky, Holly, Jack and James. Hello! Hello! Hello. Hello. Right, we're going to start finding out who's doing what, because this show has been done with sometimes quite a small cast. 
here you have an awful lot of people doing a great range of roles and telling a good, fun and interesting and traumatising tale at times. <laughs> so, okay, where should we start? Uh, Laura, tell us a bit about who you are and what you're doing. Um, so I'm playing Emma, Ashley and Susan. So this gets even more confusing with names. Because I know <laughs> you thought that bit was difficult. Lots more, lots more names, yeah. And, and how do these characters come to life? What, are they, what story are they telling? Um, so Susan, she's quite scared. Um, she's at like a dating uh, programme. Um, Ashley, she's meeting a friend who've just had a baby. And Emma, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was close enough. Well, a... You'll know by the 14th. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that should be good. Okay, but but lots of characters, lots of interactions, yeah. and a story of, of love yeah. across the board. That's what we're looking yeah. for here. And uh, yeah, the the way relationships come together, which often these days can be online or apps, yeah. or sometimes even real life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's one to explore. Yeah. And it, it must be fun telling these people's tales. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, Becky, who have you got? Do you know your characters' names? Yeah, um, Julie, Mrs. Whitewood. Woman <laughs> and uh, Connie, so uh, and the kind woman is one to get into. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great one. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of an awkward one where they're uh, um, it's a bit awkward in bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and they um, kind of find out how to make things a bit liven things up a bit. So you have some good fun with this. You bring bringing much of your own life into this, or <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there then. <laughs> Holly, who are you? question um if i can remember we did just checked myself um so jane uh woman one which is slightly different from woman <laughs> and mary yes that's the three and, and which of those is uh, your favorite to play um i think you I love think them all don't you, you don't uh, equally love them um <laughs> but no i actually have a scene with james um, as a character Jane and I really enjoy doing that one because it's it's a bit silly and I think that's a lot of it's very funny um, but that's what I'm enjoying the most at the minute. Okay, Jack, tell us about who you are. Uh, so I've got the roles of Stan, Dave, Groom, <laughs> Husband <laughs> and my favourite character, Willie. Okay, which so... I don't, think, I don't think it takes too much imagination to think what might be involved He's with. not getting involved with Woman 1 in there. No, <laughs> <laughs> no Willie is not involved with Woman 1. Willie sing, Willie's part of a song which I'm not going to give too many spoilers away, you'll have to come and see the show to see, but uh, let's just say it might involve certain pictures that get sent the way of women. Okay. <laughs> you haven't been getting to character I have not. No method acting. No, no method acting. The whole cast have now changed their phone numbers. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> just, just in case, not, 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 not I've sent anything, but they might have done just in case. Okay, just to be on, yeah. Yeah. on the safe side. Okay, James, uh, we, we've already found out part of your secret, but uh, yeah. what else do we need to know? Uh, so I'm playing Man One, Spokesman, Frank One, and James, which is always handy to know. I said, do you not find it confusing but playing someone with your own name? Uh, no, surprisingly not. I think what's kind of nice with this show is that there is so many characters, and it's been a bit of a bit of a challenge trying to make them all different, doing like different accents and how they sort of interact with other people. But obviously the other challenge is this is going to be like within the audience. So like it's an immersive experience, so which is quite unique for, for a lot of us. I mean, some of us do murder mystery, so they're sort of used to that. But for a lot of us, the sort of interacting with the audience, getting them involved and being around, is, it's been quite exciting actually. And just sort of remembering, we're so used to performing on stage where everybody's in front of us all the time, but now we're sort of 
we're 360. We've got to think about where where everybody is and you know how to interact with everybody. So it's it's been good. I mean, the, yeah, I don't know who my favourite character is to be honest, but I think the ones I like the most are the ones that are just so different from myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that I find them a lot easier to get into as well. So, so you get to yeah, be expressive. Yeah. And, and take it a bit further away. So yeah. Which of the characters do you identify with then? This is interesting. Oh, I, oh, it's 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 quite. Oh, I suppose the spokesman's quite interesting. He's sort of like a lawyer, but he's kind of quite quite nerdy, quite geeky, which I can kind of sort of get get into the character with. Uh, but he's also a little bit a little bit a little bit flamboyant yeah. and and sort of very confident. And he controls the room, and so yeah, that that's a fun one to do. And, and all of you, I say, you, I think you're outside your comfort zone at least at one point during the show, aren't you? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's a woman again, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it it's one of the, it, it's a grown up show. But one which anyone from around 16 plus can identify with quite easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, use your, use your common sense, I think. Is, uh, what kind of conversations do I want to have on the ride home? Yeah. <laughs> the, sh- the show pretty much explores dating from the very start of dating, from when you first meet somebody, all the way through to when you're old and grey and you're single and you're trying to date somebody at a funeral. All angles. Tips for everybody, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it's going to be good fun to do, and, and it's, it's nice to see uh, Baxter doing a thing. And the sort of venue as well, Premier Suite, is going to be a, a bit different, isn't it? Yes, very, very different. Uh, so as we've said, it's an immersive experience, so we will get the chance to get the audience involved at, at, at moments during the show, hopefully. Uh, and as we've said, there's a lot of the cast that aren't used to that kind of performance space or that kind of venue. So it's going to be a challenge, but it's one that we're all up for, I think. Yeah. 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 How do we get hold of tickets? Oh, well, um, you can either get them online through Positickets, so it's P-O-S-I-tickets.co.uk, you just search for the show and it'll come up there, or you can get them through us directly. Um, we've got box office email, which is backstreettickets at gmail.com, or a phone number, which if I can remember it, is 07761. Six two four. No, 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 no. Yeah. Close. That was the end of it. Uh, <laughs> it's written just above your head. I can see it. Oh, uh, seven six one two two four six two four. Don't let Holly phone anybody or go on a, on a dating app because she could be ringing anyone, to be fair, by the end of it. But you guys are going to have great fun. Break a leg. No other body parts because obviously there's a certain character who could struggle. And there'll be pictures. But uh, it's going to be a good fun show. But be, before we go do that, I mean, how many of you guys are then involved in the completely juxtaposed position of Panto come December? It, 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 it any... might just be me. Okay. <laughs> it might just be me. Are you playing Snow White? Well, you'll have to come and find out. <laughs> the no. audition, the audition. I, I did audition. Uh, I'm playing uh, the role of Muddles this year in Snow White, so we're performing it at Norton Keynes Community Centre, funnily enough, the venue. Where, where we are in, now. Yeah. Where we are now, yes. Uh, that is on the weekend of the, I want to say the 18th and 19th. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say 16th and 17th. 16th and 17th. Because that's written down just over there. Yeah, it is, but my eyes, my eyes aren't going to speed up. Yeah. 16th and 17th here, it's on the Saturday and the Sunday, so we do two shows, one at 1 o'clock, one at 5.30. It'll be a lot of fun. Our annual panto is always a really good turnout. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll try and get along and meet up with the cast before all that happens. Yes, Meanwhile, though, do check out uh, Backstreet Theatre. You can find them on Facebook. And uh, any other socials? Probably dating apps at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Check them out there. But I love you. You're perfect. Now, change is coming up on the 16th, 14th through to the uh, 16th of September. And then, of course, as we mentioned, Snow White a little later in the year. Have a fantastic time. Look forward to seeing you all on stage soon. Thank you very much. much. Thank you. <laughs>
Somebody who is busy with many a project is Christopher Commander. We like to catch up every once in a while and see what craziness is going on in his world. At the moment, he's preparing for a show with the Sutton Arts Theatre and he's been hanging around the birthplace of Shakespeare. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you doing? Good, good. Keeping keeping busy. Uh, a grateful busy bee. But, That's always uh, good. You know, we yeah. like it when everyone who works in the arts has got lots to do. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I don't know if we appreciate it sometimes, but we can't complain for the work. Can Absolutely. We? No, I have to make the most of these things. So tell us a bit about All My Sons, which is your Sutton Arts Theatre show coming up early part of September. So, yeah, yeah. The, the first the first week of September, we start on, on the 7th. So it's a, it's an Arthur Miller piece. It's sort of a, a grand epic of of the American dream and the and the cracks that show in the American dream um, just after just after the war, it takes place uh, in 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 the yard of the Keller's household, and um, it's all about their their family dynamics and people mm -hmm. who come in and sort of stir the pot a little bit, and uh, and 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 how that sort of um, evolves into uh, a very sophisticated drama that uh that, that that keeps that keeps the audience on their on their toes a little bit on the edge of their mm -hmm. seats there are there are moments that um that are quite shocking and there are moments that are that are very heartfelt and uh it it has the scope of of this big sort of odyssey by by miller but quite a, a big cast and across a wide age range as well yeah we have uh we have we have someone playing Bert, who's who's a who's a small, uh, lovely boy, and uh, the the Keller uh, is is the oldest person in the cast. And um, casting has been has been tough mm -hmm. because this is the first show of the season, and obviously you're rehearsing throughout the summer, so it means that um, you've got to get people that you can trust that may be away for some of the rehearsal. Mm -hmm. um, but have the caliber to to keep up with everyone and everyone trusts each other enough to go yep yeah, you're gone for a week but when you come back we'll slot you right in and it'll totally be fine i am i am guilty of that myself <laughs> um and so i'm glad that they they trust me to 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 have it all in hand and come back into the fold when i when i can so but they actually director faye hatch's issue trying to keep everybody consorted isn't it really yes indeed and this is my my third time working with faye uh, and it's a pleasure as always. And uh, we work well together. We come up with ideas sort of on the spot sometimes. Some things work. Uh, it's a fairly collaborative piece. So it's good because it's an ensemble show. So no one, no one is a lead really in the show. Um, you've got lead characters, but, but everyone has the same voice in the rehearsal process and, and we try things and, and move around and, and blocking changes and, uh, and, and whatever starts to feel natural because it has to feel lived in the whole house. Um, it's a childhood home. The people who come in without giving any spoilers who come in throughout the play also know the house, they know the area. Um, and the premise is, is all about Joe Keller, the father, he uh, sold airplane parts during the war mm -hmm. and Chris my part uh, was off in the war with his brother Larry uh, and Larry uh, was missing in action mm -hmm. and 
uh, there are parts of the family who are who are holding on to the idea three years later that Larry will return. Larry had a fiance called Annie, um, who also lived next door to them. They all grew up together. It's yeah. a classic sort of American dream, bright cars, all of that. Um, and, and again, the cracks that show that everything isn't as porcelain. Well, everything is porcelain. It looks pretty <laughs> on the outside, but is, but is very fragile sometimes. So that's um, the 7th through to the 15th of September. SuttonArtsTheatre.co.uk yes. to get your tickets and full details online. And of course, you can give the box office a buzz on 0121 355 5355. Nicely done. I do my best. Uh, and uh, so you, I know you've been down at the Shakespeare Birthplace rather a lot as well. And this has been very much the day job at the moment, hasn't it? Yes, indeed. So this started last year. I, I came in and, and sort of started some performance in, in, in the yard and um, in the lovely garden. I shouldn't say it's a yard. It is a beautiful garden. Shakespeare's In the garden. back of Shakespeare. John Shakespeare's house, Shakespeare's father's house, the, the, the house that Shakespeare and his siblings were born in. And uh, it's just a privilege to be able to to shout 400-year-old words at people's faces throughout, <laughs> throughout the day. So, yeah, you can find me. We have a company of four actors. Um, I'm on with uh, – it's, it's two actors in the garden every day. And uh, we're there until the 3rd of September. So we're getting to the end of the summer now. I know we are there again in October for Halloween. We're probably going to be doing some some new things. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll do some Macbeth thrown in there. It's guaranteed, Halloween. pretty much, isn't it? Guaranteed. Um, but yeah, it's it's a beautiful day. You can pop by and see us uh, from ten thirty onwards until the end of the day. We do a rolling show that's a, basically an hour long show throughout the entire day, um, and we do some Romeo and Juliet, some Midsummer, some some Macbeth, some Much Ado About Nothing, and uh, and and we've sort of curated this this lovely show. Uh, with with duologues and monologues and all sorts of stuff. So um, even if you don't like Shakespeare, come by and hopefully we'll um, we'll 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 convince you. I think, I think if you bring it to life good. and it's in the acting, and then you understand the words. I think some reading it may not be as easy as as seeing it because you get so much more from the gestures and the acting that goes with it. Well, this is what I sort of fight against with a lot of people. A lot of people come to the birthplace and they go, I, I don't like Shakespeare. I, I didn't like it in school. Um, and and I, I have a conversation with them about how did you learn it? Did you learn it in English lit? And most of them say yes, and they didn't like it because it's the same. It's a it's a script. It's not a book. It's not a novella. It's it's a script. So you're not going to get any stage directions. You're not going to get any descriptions of anything. And to to understand Shakespeare, even if you don't understand the words, sometimes to see it performed, you're going to get the uh, emotion and you're going to get the meaning through those words by performance. And mm -hmm. I think it's the only way to, to understand Shakespeare at, at its core level is to see it performed. And how you remember all these things uh, when you're going to, uh, <laughs> to go into a script, which essentially in, in some places it genuinely doesn't have the same meaning or any meaning these days, but it's through the acting that brings it to life. So it is always awesome Correct. to see. So if people want to nip down and they then just pop along and, and there you are in, in, the, uh, pop along. in the garden. I'm in the garden all day long. It'll uh, be... Me and Liz, me and Bethany, James and Liz, James and Bethany, we, we swap over. Um, and, and there's always two of us in the garden at one point. So you'll, you'll, see, you'll see us. And if you come on the last weekend, the third, the second and the third, I'm there all weekend. So 
you get to see me. There you go. Pretty much guaranteed. Not far off now either, is it? Just a word for a week away. It's getting close. Yeah, the end of the summer season for uh, Shakespeare's birthplace. Obviously, you've got to pay, pay your money into the Shakespeare's birthplace to start off with it as well. Yes, yeah. But that's you great can... value. It's great value. If you, um, if you, uh, I'll give you a hint. If you get the storyteller pack, um, there's a storyteller ticket. Uh, that's twenty-five quid instead of twenty pounds for one thing. And with the twenty-five, you get to go to new place. You get to Anne Hathaway's cottage as well. So you can spend a whole day uh, just doing Shakespeare stuff and and enjoying all of the stuff like Shakespeare bought new place uh, later on in his life, and and you get to learn about that. So I would suggest get that. Come see us, and then spend a day in Stratford. Going to Anne Hathaway's cottage, new place, and, and enjoy Stratford. It's one of my favourite towns. Oh, it's it's good just going to enjoy and explore the uh, the scenery, let alone going Absolutely. into the places as well. And then because you got you got the, the, the there's a graveyard to visit as well, and the yeah, you can go see river. you can go see uh, Shakespeare's grave, and you can walk through uh, you can walk through the graveyard. They've got a lovely plaque out now for Judith and Hamnet. Uh, Hamlet, um, Shakespeare's children, and now that's in the garden as well. And just, yeah, it's just great. I just love Stratford. It is amazing. So, well worth a little visit any down the road from us as well. But you have a great time with all those projects. Keep us posted on anything else that is going on. We look Will forward do. to maybe more magic or some of the other yes. random shows and the like that you yeah, get. There's, there's a Christmas carol coming up in Christmas. I'm sure we'll talk about it. No doubt. I look forward to hearing or seeing that in some way or form too. Indeed. Chris Commander, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us, and I'll see you soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Jason. Bye. There's an exciting autumn season ahead at the Stafford Gatehouse. Keith Harrison joins me to tell me exactly what's going on. Hello, sir. Hello, young man. How are you? I'm all right. I hope the world is treating you well. Always, always good. Yeah, it's always sunny in Stafford, no matter what happens. It's actually uh, Stafford does have his own weird climate. I know <laughs> that from does. when I was, but I, I was in a house there whilst mine was being refurbished. It's a strange old place, but there you go. But it's good fun, and there's got a great theatre, as many of the cities in our area have. So, what's going on then with the the the, the, the likes of what you're putting on your stage? Well, uh, we're just coming into now our busiest time of the year, really, Jace. As a lot of theatres will tell you. Uh, that the the autumn season coming into Christmas is the the busiest time of the year, mm-hmm. and uh, we've had a quietish or a quietish August because we've done a lot of um, uh, maintenance work and a lot of new new uh, uh, new things going on around the theatre. And just let me tell you about a couple of these before we start. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we're doing is we're doing new welcome packages. All right. So every time you buy a, a, a ticket now, you'll get prompted. And to say, do you want to buy one of our welcome packages? And they're they're a good deal, but they are the sort of thing whereby often when you come to the theatre, it's packed at the bar. Everybody comes at the same time, uh, and this will sort of take you away from that. Make sure you've got a guaranteed seat in a, in a quieter area in the theatre, and with you know somebody who will run to the bar for you, your own host, and have some drinks and nibbles already for you. So that's a new thing that that, that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also just about to start something which, again, I think has been done very successfully at, at other theatres, particularly the Grand down in Wolverhampton, um, where you can name a seat at the Gatehouse. Mm-hmm. So where, whereby if you've if you've just, you know, in memory of your favourite artist or, you know, a, uh, a friend or a loved one or somebody you've just spent many happy hours with at the Gatehouse, um, you can get a plaque on one of the seats at the gatehouse and name that plaque forever to, to keep it for the next 10 years. Or, or if, it's, if it's a seat that you always want to have exactly. when you come and see a show, yeah. put your yeah. name on it. 
Yeah, it, and and loads of people, loads of people do that. You know, Christmas coming up, and a lot of people are already saying that it's a, just a, a, a nice touch for. Because we have a lot of regular customers coming through the doors at the gatehouse, and this would be a nice touch for somebody to have their own sort of name on the seat. And uh, again, it's uh, we're going to put details of that on our website. But of course, all this is side talk to uh, the really big news, which is what we've got coming up on stage. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's a very busy time, including some fantastic comedians and, and some other one-night shows. So on September the 6th, we've got um, a guy called Pete Furman, who, who you might not know the name, but you definitely know his face. He's been on things like the John Bishop show. He's been on Sarah Millican. He's been on loads of TV shows. And he's in this great new show called Good Omens with Michael Sheen and David Tennant on Amazon. It's just come out now for the second season. And um, so he's he's big, he's big. He's probably, they call him the poster boy for comedy magic in the UK. <laughs> and he is brilliant. If you if you look on our Facebook page or look on Twitter, whatever it's called this week, um, <laughs> you'll see some of his tricks that he does. And he is absolutely incredible. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not really a one for magicians, but somebody who can do this kind of thing, he, he's very sharp and very funny but he does magic tricks as well. So like a modern day Tommy Cooper, Jason, somebody you and I would remember well. I, I, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Neither of us are yeah, old enough to remember Tommy Cooper. We'll, we'll pretend. <laughs> but no, again, amazing magic from him, amazing comedy from him. If Pete can do a fraction of as, as funny as oh, that fella, yeah, you've yeah. got a good act. And he's as good as you've been telling yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, we've also got some, um, some great music lined up on September the 8th. Um, we've only got a few tickets left for this. But this is a band that I know you're old enough to remember, Shawaddy Waddy. Right? I've introduced Shawaddy Waddy. There you go, Shawaddy Waddy. So, yeah, they're yeah. A, a jolly good band, well worth seeing. And, and you know what? This is going to make you feel old because it definitely makes me feel old. It's their 50th anniversary concert tour. Well, the, the fact they started out when I was one just means that uh, uh, I, I enjoyed them during the, the peak of their career 10 or 15 years later. But they've done amazing things over the years and they are truly awesome live. Well worth getting along to see. Yeah, all the hits. So that's going to be that. We've only got a few tickets left for that, but that's going to be amazing. Then we've got Carrie Dupre on the following day on September the 9th. Kerry Dupree. Yes. Am I saying it wrong? Yeah, it's Kerry Dupree. Kerry Dupree. Kerry Dupree. I've been telling people Kerry Dupree. I thought because she's a sort of like, you know, a, a female in person actor that it was something more to it than that. But, uh, Kerry Dupree, Back to the Rhinestone. Fantastic. That's in the Met Studio on September the 9th. Um, but also that night, it's going to be a big night for us because we've got um, upstairs in the main room, someone like you, the Adele story, the Adele songbook. Mm -hmm. uh, so all the Adele songs. And, and this girl, Katie, she has got a fantastic voice. She is, um, you know, a brilliant, brilliant singer in her own right. And she's going to be performing as Adele uh, with all the, the classic Adele hits that, you know, we um, you come to expect. We're expecting to sell quite a lot of white wine and Prosecco on that night. And, to, then, and um, that's just to you and you're going to be in the second row. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then following on from that, going completely to the other end of the spectrum, we've got a lovely, lovely, lovely children's show on September the 11th and 12th in the daytime. So the Monday and the Tuesday, the following week, Tales from Acorn Wood. And it's one of these things done with puppets. And it's absolutely beautiful. If you've got a preschool child, this will melt your heart. And just, just watching you, your children's reactions to it will be amazing. Um, so it's that, that's a great show, Tales from Acorn Wood. Um, and then later that week, we got another comedian. Uh, we've only got a few left for this as well, which is what I love to say, because it says that they're all good shows. Simon Brodkin, um, who you might not recognise the name straight <laughs> off, 
But hey, do you remember when he, uh, Lee Nelson, the prankster Lee Nelson, I, he's I, the guy. He, did, who, he was the man behind all of that. He did all and, that. And, yeah. and uh, he gave Seth Blatter his, no, he threw all the money at Seth Blatter at the FIFA press conference. Yep. And he gave Theresa May of P45 at a um, conservative party a, a conservative conference. I mean, the guts this guy's got to to just go up and do things like that is incredible. And this is his own sort of stand-up show. So he said that what happened was he got tired of playing this character. And he said, I, w- I was really playing the character to hide away from um, myself, really. And so he's sort of come out of character now. This is him doing his own stand-up and talking about his life and things. And it's it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so I've, it, I've seen him live guy. again, and he's, he's, an, he's another brilliant one. He's only part of a comedy night that was, was on in Brummel a few years back. Pre-pandemic, I think it was. It was that long ago, yeah. but uh, he was uh, he was brilliant at that. So uh, it's going to be well worth grabbing one of those last few tickets. Sharp as a tack, he really is. Absolutely. Um, We've got another one-man show, Shakespeare's Fool, which is a, a true story, a one-man show about a guy who was a big friend of Shakespeare's back in the day and um, set up the Globe Theatre, mm-hmm. uh, but then he fell out with the bard and it all went downhill from there. So that's, the, you know, it's an interesting, true historical tale, uh, which is going on. Um, one thing that I should tell you about, which is um, starts next week as well, on September the 7th. So these are daytime classic film afternoons. And so we pick out a classic film, we run them downstairs in the Met studio on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got James Dean, Rebel Without a Cause, we've got Meet Me in St. Louis, we've got Breakfast at Tiffany's all coming up once a week on a Thursday afternoon. But the beauty of these are they are you get a coffee or a mm-hmm. cup of tea and a cake and a film, six pounds. Sounds good, very. So, and if there's two of you, two for ten pounds. So these are really, really popular, popular shows. We've got to say we're helped in this by uh, the Tesco Community Fund, which is a a big big support for us. And they're also dementia-friendly screenings. So a lot of the people tend to be elderly, but it's very accessible. um, And it's a great way for for people to come out, make new friends, have a nice cup of tea, a lovely cake, and see a great (laughs) film as well. So they're on Thursday afternoons, the classic film afternoons, very, very popular. And, and, and you've got some, got loads more, yeah, one night shows and like. I mean, you've got James Reese, his, his comedy show, Spilt Milk. Uh, Fiona Allen's along on the run. Uh, that's going to be an Fiona interesting. Fiona Allen, remember Smack the Pony Channel Four? That was the big show back in the day. Absolutely. Fiona was being up big on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Room on One's Own. Tell us a bit about that. Room on One's Own is a again, it's a, a one lady show. It's a um, a, a play um, by Virginia Woolf. Actually, it goes back to Virginia Woolf's days. And it's all about how what young ladies back in the day needed to be successful. So it was a career or it was a man and definitely a room of one's own. So it's quite, a t- you know, Virginia Woolf, it's quite a feminist take on things. And that's going to be a fascinating play as well. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and as you say, uh, Robert Temple, the hypnotist, Red Raw. Now then, this guy is special. He can, he can get people to do anything. And... Uh, a bit like Pete Furman, he's very, very funny with it. So it's not just a hypnotist show. He's almost a comedian as well. Um, and finally, let me segue into this, because this is one of my favourite comedians we've got coming up next next month. Carl Hutchinson, Watch Till the End. Carl is, you might have seen him, he's been on the TV, he's got his own specials and things like that on Dave. Um, he's a Geordie lad, a big friend of Chris Ramsey. And 
he's just so likable and he's just so funny. Um, again, this is selling quite quick, but he's been up at the gatehouse before and he is, you know, a big, big draw for us. Carl Hutchinson on September the 22nd. Um, running through the rest, we've got the complete works of, of William Shakespeare. Now, abridged. that is abridged. Yes, abridged. Not all of them in one night. But it's, again, one of these comedy things, and they spin through it. And the way they put them all together is just fantastic. It really is clever and, and good, and most of all, hilarious. Um, so, again, it's done with some modern settings and modern takes and modern references, but it's a really, really good show. Um, as is, uh, just to find a couple, the Elton John show. Well, what can you say about that? I mean, the Elton John show, running through Elton John's hits, that's on September 27th. Um, and again, the costumes that are on that, that's a, a really top quality show. So, and then finally, just something slightly different, Jason. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever done DNA testing? Have you ever sort of done any genealogy and found out about I, your I family history? My DNA remains untested so far. But a lot of people are doing that these days, aren't they? They're check, checking the DNA and, you know, finding out about, you know, the heritage and, and all the rest of. Um, we've got... Professor Turi King. Now she's one of the top professors in the country. She was involved in identifying Richard. You know when they found Richard the Third? Richard the Third, yep. In the car park in Leicester, she was part of the team that identified him. They went through all the DNA of all the royals down the years, and she found out that you know confirmed that this was Richard the Third. Um, and again, she's got an amazing story. So she's given a talk. So if you're interested in your family history, genealogy, DNA. That's a great talk on October the 2nd, 7.30pm, Professor Turi King. And and I, I just think that's going to be fascinating. It's going to be amazing. Now, we've landed in October. I think we'll come back during the month of September and find out more about uh, the, the final run-up towards Christmas. But there's a lot going on, and it's a, a busy venue there. And I know yeah, if people live along to Stafford Gatehouse uh, to enjoy one show, they will be back for more because they'll, they'll uh, spot what's going on. Gatehousetheatre.co.uk. I'll let you do the phone number for the box office. Uh, 01785 And you can get your tickets for that list of shows and many more. One quick mention, though, for Panto. Tell us what you've got going on this year. Well, I can't wait for this. Beauty and the Beast. Uh, you can see the, the poster behind me, actually. I thought you were going to say you were the Beast for a minute, then. <laughs> I'm definitely not Beauty. And... <laughs> uh, but speaking of which, we've got Mark Rhodes in it. Wolverhampton's finest Mark Rhodes of Sam and Mark fame. And he's a lovely, lovely guy. And the only annoying thing about him is he hasn't aged a bit. That is it's, scary, isn't it? He's been on TV now for about 20 years and he looks exactly the same as he did when he was on Pop Idol or whatever it was with Sam and Mark. And then he's done CBeebies. He's done Match of the Day. He's done everything. Crackerjack. He's a great guy. Crackerjack. Um, he did do Crackerjack, Crackerjack. Yes, yeah, yeah, Friday at five o'clock. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. So we're looking forward to having Mark, Beauty and the Beast in December. Uh, and the, uh, the that's going to be a fantastic thing for us because the pantomime is the highlight of the year. And yeah, it's crazy that here we are, August. But I tell you what, we are already in, well in the way for planning for it. It's a massive thing. Absolutely, it has to be done. That's the 8th through to the 31st of December. Everyone finishes at the end of the year on that. But a great time will be had. Keith, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. You and too, Jason. Catching no up problem. with you in a few weeks. Cheers.
14.48 in Wolverhampton is on its way once more, which means 14 world premiere plays in 48 hours in the Arena Theatre. The 22nd and 23rd of September are the dates, but we need to know more details first. With what he can tell us, because it is all somewhat not written yet. Well, Krista, how you doing, mate? You okay? I'm not bad at all. I'm not bad. How are you? I'm all right. And uh, looking forward to the festival. And hopefully I'll, I'll have to be able to get along myself yeah. this year. It's been a mad few years. And I, I need some 1448 action. Everybody needs a bit of 1448 in their life, Jason. <laughs> what do we know so far then? Oh, what do we know so far? We know that there will be 14 brand new plays that will be written, produced and staged over those two days. So you know, seven plays each day. So if you come on the Friday, you'll see seven plays at seven o'clock or 9.30. We've we've brought the timings forward slightly to make it kinder. So you don't have to come for a 10.30 show anymore. There's there's now a <laughs> 9.30 late show. And then there'll be a different seven plays that have been written and produced and staged in just 24 hours for that uh, that final, that Saturday, seven o'clock and 9.30 performance. So yeah, lots of lots of fun stuff. We can guarantee that there'll be some drama and maybe some daft stuff as well. But, you know, it'll be entertaining uh, no matter what, what you go and see, really. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, that's that's part of the joy of it and having seen some amazing plays. And the, the, the scary bit is they get performed that twice and then that's it. That That is their time on this planet in most cases, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's It's great for the writers. You know, it means that they can make something that they've not sweated buckets over months and years. Um, you know, that's been written in, in just, just 10 hours overnight for them. They can see that then produced on the stage instantly. And then it's kind of, you know, it's it's there and it's gone. And, you know, that's, I think, the beauty of like live performance compared to, you know, especially like digital streaming these days. <laughs> Everything's available all the time. Whereas with this, it's there. If you're not there, you, you miss it and you you miss that moment. And there are so many incredible moments that happen at this festival, you know, like, we say not all theatre should be made this way. This is not what we're saying. We don't encourage everyone to, to try and produce, you know, uh, performances in, in this kind of timescale. But genuinely, some best theatre that I've ever seen has been generated through this process when it just gels right with the, the cast, with the live bands, with the music. You know, everything comes together and absolute magic can happen in that that lovely little black box space that the arena has. It's It's just, yeah, you can't beat it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good that it's a sort of intimate venue where actually you feel you're part of the show. But this is just a joy of a theatre show. And having been along during the day, and if I can, I'm going to try and be around all day again on the Friday uh, to see the magic happen because it is just phenomenal the way it comes together. And everything from the rehearsals through to, to a little, little bit of rewrites every once in a while. <laughs> and 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 yeah, seeing how the cast are going to work out because you, you're never entirely sure who your cast are going to be, uh, yeah. other than from a pool of people when you start writing that first play following the draw on Thursday night. That's right. Yeah. So you know, yeah, we we literally we pull a theme out of the hat on the Thursday night. The writers go away. They write their plays. You know, each writer a ten minute play. So the seven created, and then first thing on that Friday morning, the directors just get a script at random in an envelope, and they don't know what they've got. And then an hour later. They're pulling names out of a bucket and, you know, we ca we cast everything completely gender blind. Uh, you know, uh, it, it just completely mixes up who might be cast in what role. Um, and yeah, then that that is that is your your company for the day then, you know, and then they've just got 10 hours together until they're on the stage, scripts down and everything is produced as, as you know, professionally as it can be within that time frame. With sets, scenery, lights, yeah, all the sound worked out, the band 
written yeah. a score for it. And uh, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it is. It is just crazy the pace at which this all goes. It's it's the beauty of just trusting people, though. I think you know, um, you know, so often in life, uh, I think you're kind of expected to do so many different things, and here people can just concentrate on one thing. You know, this is this is my groove for the day. Um, particularly in the case of the band, this is my groove for the day, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sit in this groove, and you know that's just gonna carry me through the day, and 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 everyone else is gonna be there to support me, and and it's such a beautiful supportive atmosphere, um, and you know that's the the audience are a big part of that, uh, coming along supporting their their local art, is supporting stuff that is is relevant to them, that is current for them, um, you know, yeah, we we just it's such a beautiful community of people that that come together to make this stuff happen. And there's always new people coming in as well, which is just great for us. Absolutely, yeah, it, it is, and it, uh, I think as well the fact there's been visitors from the uh, the home of 1448 in Seattle in the past as well, uh, and 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 that sort of brings the magic when it's international. Uh, it, there's there's people who come over from the the, the Leicester 1448 festival and vice versa, and I think yeah, it, it's about collaboration. I think that's the nicest thing about it, apart from the beer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we were, you know, uh, a few of our artists were really generous with their time. Uh, start of last year, raised a bit of funding through a, a marathon, a half marathon that they ran, um, which put a bit of money in our bank accounts, which we then invested in. Uh, we ran a little scheme where an artist applied. They got some funding and it paid for a, a plane ticket for them to go off to Seattle. Um, so it was a, a West Midlands based artist who who went off to, to Seattle this summer um, to take part in one of the 1448 festivals over there. So they'll be bringing all that back with them as well. And, you know, yeah, just great stuff. Well, we look forward to the events at 22nd and 23rd of September. It's a Friday and a Saturday. Seven o'clock and 9.30 are those performances of seven brand new plays each night, twice. Uh, tickets, how does that work this year? Uh, yeah, you can book everything online. Um, oh, it's a good question. Do you know what? Arena.wlb.ac.uk. Yeah, that's the website. I mean, you know, I, I, I believe... Oh, yeah. There's a scale of tickets available. So, you know, there's all kinds of different costs. Um, so you don't have to break the bank to come and see this stuff either. OK, do that. You can give the box office a call on 01902-321-321. Have a natter with them and work it out. Or go along to the 1448 Facebook page where you'll be able to see all of what's happening, some development during the day, and become part of that creative process just from the comfort of your own mobile phone, which you're probably reading whilst on the toilet somewhere. So that's worth checking out. Bob, always good to speak to you. Keep up the good work with the team, and we look forward to an amazing 1448 Festival in Wolverhampton this September. Lovely, Jason. Look forward to seeing you there. It's more than 22 years since the passing of Douglas Adams, yet his ideas, thoughts and amazing stories are still in the minds of many. Kevin John Davies has put a book together, 42, The Wildly Improbable Ideas of Douglas Adams, and he's here now to tell me more about it. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. It's nice to meet you. Well, good to meet you too. And uh, in a time when we need more of the magical world and comedy of Douglas Adams, sadly, there is little more out there that we haven't already heard already. But these improbable ideas are going to spark uh, a few memories and maybe be new to a few people. I um, I had a chat on uh, Radio Cambridgeshire on Monday with um, Rory McGrath took part, mm -hmm. um, comedian and actor. You know, he... He knew Douglas Adams and he seems to have enjoyed it. He said it brought back so many memories, especially the photographs of young Douglas as he remembers him when they were all together at university, honing their comedy talents, doing their little 
uh, smokers and various other shows that they put on as part of Footlights and things like that. So, um, yeah, it brought back memories for him. Um, I think it will appeal to a lot of people who just wish we'd had more from Douglas Adams. I mean, he died at 49. It was just a crying shame. We were robbed of the later age Douglas that, who might have had all sorts of insights to impart, you know. Absolutely. And particularly on the world of technology, he loved his tech. And uh, you know, the, the, the things that we, we've heard about with uh, the Salmon of Doubt and, uh, and the other visitations to things that haven't made it out into, into the world in, in Douglas's uh, finely honed form. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it is just such a disappointment. We missed out on so many things, but we have to think about what we do have, whether it be some of the skits from the Berkis Way, all the way through Hitchhiker's Guide and uh, yeah, Dirk Gently's Solistic Detective Agency, and the new takes we've seen on some of these works as inspiration over the, uh, the last couple of decades. Um, yeah, it, it is a, a very special body of writing. And, and how have you approached it? What, what do we find in this book of yours? Well, the the family, um, when sadly, I mean, Douglas is, you know, as I say, he passed away in 2001. His widow, she also died about 10 years later. And eventually the the home was, the beautiful home in Islington was sold. All his papers, the family didn't know what to do with it all. And uh, they decided to do, as many people have done, former dons, former students, of the various colleges in Cambridge, and I'm guessing at other unis as well. But St John's College, Cambridge, where Douglas studied, have a beautiful 500-year-old library, and his works have all been lodged there in their care. They're very still, they're still much, um, very much the property of the family and the estate of Douglas. So they control who can see it and everything. You have to get written permission to access it. But the publishers, Unbound, they approached me and they said, um, we've been recommended to talk to you. You've been in the archive before and you knew Douglas. Would you consider this project? And I said, absolutely. And I, I, it's funny, in 2016, I'd had a look in the archive for Dirt Mags, the radio producer, mm -hmm. who's a friend of mine. And he'd asked me to go and look for any snippets, any tidbits of Hitchhiker that still hadn't been published. I mean, there have been a few books that have covered this subject in the past, and mm -hmm. some of them have printed uh, pieces that uh, you know hadn't previously been seen. Uh, as you mentioned, there was um, The Salmon of Doubt, which had quite a few articles and things by Douglas. So it was a chance to look at the last snippets, you know, and I thought at the time in 2016, hey, there's a book in this, <laughs> but I never dreamt it would be me, but they asked me to do it. And um, we had a bit of a false start because there were lots of COVID restrictions still in place in 2021. Mm -hmm. The Kickstarter went enormous immediately and Douglas's name still sells and it made its target on the first day, which was lovely to see. So the project was, you know, assured right from the off. But then we had a long delay because we couldn't get into the archive. Only living students were allowed at that time. Uh, that restriction was lifted. I I then unfortunately got ill for a while. Um, so last year I finally got stuck in properly and it's been a burst of activity all the way through last year to get the book done to meet the deadlines that they were now imposing upon us. And you know what Douglas was like with deadlines, terrible. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think I broke the I broke the um, the deadline, you know, unfortunately by being ill again. So, but the publishers um, employed a very good um, copy editor to help me. Um, I'd never laid out a book before. I'm mainly a, a documentary filmmaker mm -hmm. these days. I started life as an animator and I worked on the TV series of Hitchhiker 
all those years ago. Um, but researching for a documentary and researching for a book, very similar uh, sort of set of circumstances. Going to the archive was a treat. I'm very happy in archives. I was a librarian. My mum was a librarian. I was a librarian. I was only a Saturday boy while I was at college, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, but I, I'm very happy in that environment. And so the research part of the job is the real joy of seeing Douglas's writing, his terrible handwriting, <laughs> and his appalling typing, and um, trying to make sense of it all. The the uh, curators at the special collections in St. John's Library had done a wonderful job of creating, you can access it yourself actually, an online um, sort of catalogue of what's there, but that doesn't tell you what's on every page. It just gives you the broad brackets of what to expect. And so the only way to do it was to slog through every scrap of paper and there were 67 boxes to choose from. I think I must have seen a good 85% of the archive by now. <laughs> I photographed a lot of it on my iPhone because I didn't have time to read it during my 17 visits last year to the mm -hmm. Cambridge Archive. Um, I took it home, absorbed it, read it, catalogued it, put it into different categories, you know, of what might work in the book. And so now we've got the best of everything. It covers his whole life from his school days to his sadly untimely demise. So I hope it'll appeal to a lot of people. It might appeal to people that would just want to know how writers think and how this particular writer thinks or thought, um, because it gives you an insight into the agonies of trying to write. Yeah, and I mean, writing uh, is something which is a, a hugely creative process, but uh, that writer's block, having the environment, having the right mindset to inhabit the world of the characters you're looking for, particularly when the worlds created by Douglas were nothing like any other. Well, I mean, he might argue with that because I think um, he, he used to say that he, he's, he was a huge fan of people like P.G. Woodhouse. Um, he did like some science fiction. He'd read some Asimov, which he didn't like much, but he liked the ideas, but he didn't like the style of writing. He did like Kurt Vonnegut. Um, and I think Robert Sheckley and a few others, but he said, I, I'm not, I never set out to be a science fiction writer. I, I thought of myself as a satirist. So I think that's really why Hitchhiker appeals to so many people across the board, because science fiction fans think it's great because it's sending up their genre and they enjoy that aspect. <laughs> but those who don't like robots and spaceships, they like it because because it seems to be sending up the things they don't like, which is science fiction. So it appealed on two levels, you know, to different audiences. But he was, I mean, he went straight into bestsellerdom and he never set out to be a novelist. He he wanted to be a scriptwriter. He wanted to be Monty Python. He wanted to be John Cleese and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. He wanted to write comedy and perform it. But he was a terrible performer, you know. <laughs> Rory McGrath the other day was saying, and various others of Douglas's friends have said it before. He could he couldn't help telegraph a joke if they were doing a sketch on stage. He'd start laughing before he said the funny line. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so he was awful in that regard. But everybody loved him. He was a big, lovable giant of a man, very ungainly, very awkward and clumsy, and you know. Um, but very generous. He was generous with his time. I mean, I wasn't part of his inner circle. I wasn't a best mate or anything. Mm -hmm. I worked with him a lot of times. I knew him on and off for 20 years and we were all devastated when he died, you know, and it was, it was tragic. He'd gone off to California. He lived in California for the last two years of his life 
trying to get the movie made well as we know the movie came along some years later but he wasn't around to see it sadly so uh yeah that was a big disappointment in his life not getting the movie done still though we have this work we know we have this book exploring the bits we didn't know which i think is uh, is Mm. another joint of pleasure and a chance to introduce his ideas to a whole new audience once more well i hope so i mean it'd be interesting to see what people make of it i mean i I'm on a couple of Facebook groups for Hitchhiker fans and I've always uh, been very kindly, they made me an honorary member of ZZ9 Plural Z Alpha, which is the official Hitchhikers Appreciation Society. Mm-hmm. They have a Facebook page, if you want to look it up, zz9.org, um, and also um, Galactic Hitchhikers, which is a big American-run one with a huge audience. And um, it's plain to me that there's a big international audience audience for Douglas's work because he was republished in so many languages he was Mm -hmm. amazingly considering how literate it is and how very very English it seems it was translated into an enormous amount of languages and uh, there are people who collect all the different books with all the bizarre (laughs) different covers and things so um yeah it, it appeals across the board I hope and it's nice to see when on the fan groups I see someone comes along and says i've just watched the film 14 times and i love hitchhiker and then you get all the old diehards going oh no we don't like the film you know it's like oh every version's different and whatever version you come across first hopefully it will lead you on to try out some of the other versions yeah no the fact that it is the fact that every version is different whether it's the lp or the actual radio uh skits or yeah mm. the, the how it all came into one universe is held together yeah. by a couple of towels and a pangalactic <laughs> gargle blast is just completely mad isn't it <laughs> well it's very odd because it began on radio so if you want the pure original hitchhikers you should try and get the bbc radio series of which there are five based on douglas's books and um the, well the later ones are based on his books the first two series he wrote straight as, ahead as, radio. as the original the original radio series the first two the other three were made by dirt mags based on his later books and there was even a sixth book written uh, as an uh, as an official continuation by Owen Colfer. If you know that he was he wrote for young adults. He does the Artemis Fowl series amongst other things, and he was asked to do it because Douglas's daughter um, was a fan, I believe. And um, he was a lovely fella, but he tried a bit too hard. It didn't always appeal to other people. I think Douglas had such a particular special way of writing that the fans can detect if it's the real thing or not, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, after he did the radio show, he was asked to novelize the first series. And that's when Douglas's true voice came out. Mm-hmm. You know, the radio series is a product of his writing, Jeffrey Perkins and Simon Brett before him as producers. Yeah. They worked on the material. Uh, John Lloyd helped Douglas write the episodes five and six of the first series. So it's a mixture of voices and literally voices with all the different actors. When you read the novels, you've got pure Douglas. And that's what this book, 42, the wildly improbable ideas of Douglas Adams, hopefully brings you more of that true voice from his school days to the very end. And you can see him thrashing out all these uh, famous bits of writing and some less famous. Some We found some real exclusives of things we didn't know he'd done. You know, um, <laughs> there's a sketch for Pete, Pete Townsend of The Who. Right. That was one on me. And he worked on 
children's stuff like um do you remember the paul mccartney cartoon rupert and the frog song yeah we all stand together we all stand together yeah that well the it began with uh, paul mccartney's company asking douglas and john lloyd and i believe terry jones as well to have a little stab at how they might approach a rupert cartoon <laughs> and so we've got a snippet of that we've got some stuff from Dr. Snuggles, if anybody remembers that 80s cartoon, or late 70s, early 80s cartoon. There's a little snippet of that. Um, he wrote all sorts of things. He, because he got famous, he got asked to do other things. Mm -hmm. But we've also got the things he did before he was famous. When he was at Cambridge University with some quite famous people that were his friends at that time, Clive Anderson and uh, Rory McGrath and John Lloyd and people like that, who did comedy shows with him. They were kind of honing their skills, following in the footsteps of people like the Pythons and way back when, beyond the fringe before that. So, you know, Douglas, when he went to Cambridge, I mean, he used to kid people. He used to say, he, he made up a lot of stories as well about, <laughs> how he, usually to get a laugh, you know, it wasn't, there was nothing sort of, you know, wicked about it. He was just trying to make people entertained. But he said, oh, I never got any, proper essays and work done at Cambridge. I was too busy on footlights, you know, and doing Amdram and things like that. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not true. We found some of his actual academic work as well in the archive. And it's amazing that it all exists because he was quite a chaotic bloke. <laughs> so I can only assume that the series of different PAs that he had, his secretaries probably kept it all in order for him. I can't imagine he did it all, you know, uh, but, <laughs> But the, the fact that he's kept it means, of course, you know, he worked at a time when there was still hard copy. Yeah. It wasn't all on computer. All his earliest work, well, the first four books, were written on typewriters or in longhand. And so we've got some of his handwritten notebooks and we've got typed pages with all the crossings out and all those bits in the margin. And so hopefully when you see this book, it'll be like like it felt for me. Stand, you know, looking over my shoulder as I open up the next box file and find the next gem, you know, <laughs> was amongst all the paperwork. It's, it's magic which needs to be shared. You're doing that with 42, the wildly improbable ideas of Douglas Adams. Kevin, John Davis, thank you for that. Thank you for thank the work. You. And we look forward to uh, picking this up. And, of course, it'll be available via all your usual uh, intergalactic bookstores. The, officially, it's the UK publication date is the 24th of August. And uh, it's about a month later in America. So that is... Uh, and a joy for fans of Douglas and those who don't realise they're going to be fans of Douglas uh, to to pick up and learn something of his life. Wonderful speaking to you, Kevin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking me. I look forward to hearing the programme. It seems we're getting a little bit nostalgic for the noughties. There are some amazing times gone by. Somebody who not only is at the forefront of lots of things now, but was absolutely at the top of his game then is Judge Jules, who joins me now. Hello, sir. Hello. How are we? How are I'm we? good. I hope we find you well. And uh, so loving some of the reminiscing here, uh, because apparently the noughties has been named the best decade for socialising and partying in the UK. Indeed. Um, well, a new generational study was commissioned by Schweppes and they found that the noughties were the preferred decade for socialising amongst one in two Brits, so a really high percentage. And interestingly as well, the Schweppes study found that um, 
that Gen Z, who didn't really live through much of the noughties, also considered that decade to be the best uh, decade for socialising and the one they'd most like to go back to. It's not too far to travel in time. We know we still had phones, although they'd be able to flip phones rather than the cool computers we carry around these days and uh, started, started to appear towards the end of the uh, the decade. But it's, it's a, not a bad time. I mean, do you have any highlights of the noughties which really make it stand out for you? Well, yes. I, I, I guess for me, we're really making, taking a foothold in Ibiza, going there weekly for the entire, um, the entire decade. So uh, that would be... Uh, somewhere between 150 and 200 shows in Ibiza throughout that period. Um, setting off my, my night, Judgment Sundays, which started in, uh, in June, 2020, uh, June 2000, but also the, the kind of festival culture that emerged um, during that time is really significant because in the, in the 90s, I do loads of clubs, do a few big events, but I just, just didn't do any festivals at all. And then fast forward to the to the noughties and Britain just gets festival fever, which objectively has always seemed, on the one hand, al fresco kind of clubbing and raving and partying is fantastic. On the other hand, we have really crap weather compared to just about anybody. And we, by rights, it should be, you know, the Italians, the Portuguese, the Greek or the Spanish that enjoy fe um, festivals most, but it's not, it's us, mm -hmm. us crazy Brits. Yeah, it sort of went from warehouses to outdoors, didn't it? Yeah, it did. There was, there was a, Interestingly, in when I first started, there were a lot of illegal events and it was had those same promoters putting on the events tried to get licenses to do something a bit different, they would have been knocked back. Uh, they just there just weren't the licenses available, like whether it's because of what there wasn't the category of license available or whether it's because the I don't know, the people in the licensing authorities were more crusty and more kind of old fashioned. But fast forward to now, and it's actually a lot easier to get the licenses to, to do these sort of things. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly, um, it was also the beginning of a period when, oh, I mean, maybe I was going to say that in the noughties, the, the genesis of people going out a bit earlier began, but that's certainly now people go out a lot, don't go out to as late as they did mm -hmm. during that period. I mean, which... As a, as a more senior statesman, DJ, I've got to say I'm quite pleased about. But I mean, there was a lot of fun to be had. And you know, it was the birth of the likes of YouTube. Uh, we had MySpace. The internet was there, although on dial-up, it was exceptionally slow. Uh, but the web pages were a lot simpler. I meant, it, meant it, you know, it could load in a you know, day or two. But people started file sharing as well towards the end of the, the, the decade. And uh, I think, you know, the, all these things were sort of changes that happened in our lifetimes which now are just so normal for everybody out there yeah i think the um i think the revolution people talk about the internet as being the greatest revolution of the century or the rolling century but i think the reality is that the greatest revolution was high-speed internet because mm -hmm. dial-up didn't really allow for much whereas um high-speed broadband is, is something totally different you've got access to everything you've got access to all information you require of any description and you've got access to all arts and culture of any description um and in many ways because the noughties was the last decade where that wasn't the case you had internet but it was too slow to be usable in many respects um you still had that vibe where people went out for the right reasons they it was word of mouth it was old school flyers it was events that were only for the initiated as opposed to, to now where you can basically promote anything to anybody very fast yeah um again i don't really want to i'm not 
talking to you today with the with the aim of totally knocking what's gone on now. It, it's more a case, you know, if I've got one message um, stemming from the fact that Schweppes have conducted this survey and they found this really quite remarkable fact, because I might have thought it would have been the 90s that they found to be the most popular decade, but they haven't. But it's more to try and encourage people to relive the vibe that the 90s encapsulated, because, of course, we've just come out of COVID. COVID's a couple of years ago, but I still think people are, to some people, are still a little bit have got the psychological shackles on post-COVID mm -hmm. still. And of course, we've got the cost of living crisis, which I, recent evidence suggests we're beginning to see the way, you know, the 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 downhill slope, if I'm using my metaphors correctly, away from that. So I think it's just go out, have a great time and share it with your friends and, and just enjoy the music and the culture and the company for what it is. Um, if I was to say, don't go on social media, don't film every five minutes, <laughs> you, I'd be ignored. So I, I don't want to sound like somebody, you know, the, the, I don't know, uh, King Canute sitting in trying to hold the waves back. It, it is what it is. But hopefully I'm, a, if you like, a disciple of of the way the noughties used to be and, and, and the vibe that it encapsulated. Well, yeah, I mean, great times. I mean, uh, it's amazing the stuff. That, I mean, Big Brother that was uh, was still big in the uh, in the noughties. Uh, you got the Hannah Montana, the OC, all these things where people go back and relive these shows. And uh, whilst Friends came to an end uh, in in the noughties, uh, you know, you, you're looking at things which were, in some ways, opinions of their times. Yet the the there was fun stuff which happened as well. I mean, people doing things like customizing their mouse curses, uh, curses was fun. Playing Snake on their Nokia phone. Yeah, it's it's amazing what made us happy back then. I think you've done some very, ironically, done some very good homework into into some interesting, quirky facets of Naughty's life that you can only do now because we've got high speed internet, which is not a facet of Naughty's life. Um, <laughs> I, did I ever decorate my mouse? I don't think I did, but I, I, I certainly know plenty of people who have that with the novelty mouse. I think that's a really good one. Uh, I've been thinking, obviously, knowing that I was doing this this interview today, I've been thinking about what what represented the 90s and that's the most quirky thought that I didn't get to <laughs> well they were amazing times and and Schweppes uh, obviously a, a brand which has uh, has been around for decades sharing amazing flavors and some things are right and where people have the right taste these things don't change I'd, I'd like to think that uh, taste is timeless yeah whereas fashion fashion is transitory <laughs> where can we have to see more on this survey that uh, Schweppes have done um via, via the Schweppes website it's so available Nip along there, check out what's going on, and uh, yeah, maybe bop around to a bit of uh, your, your Judge Jules classic CD of uh, some Ibiza anthems from 2004, something like that. Yeah. Judge Jules, uh, Jules Street, mate. Thank you for joining us and have good fun. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Bachelor for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 741 next week. I'll see you then. Turn off and down. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar.